Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 8th of November 2009, entitled, What You Have is Sufficient, and the Bible reading is taken from Matthew, chapter 14, verses 15 to 21. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I'd like to be opening your Bibles for our scripture reading this evening, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14. This is certainly going to be a familiar story this evening. I do plan to be relatively short. And I just want to be an encouragement to you this evening because I might be preaching this to me more than anybody else after some of the things of uh, of recent days. But the title of our message this evening, God willing, is What You Have is Sufficient. What you have is sufficient. We'd like to take our reading from Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 15, as I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's holy word, again beginning in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 15. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a desert place. The time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. They say unto him, We have but five loaves and two fishes. He said, Bring them hither to me. He commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes and looked up to heaven. He blessed and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. They did all eat and were filled. And they took up of the fragments that remained 12 baskets full. They that had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. Father, we thank you again for our time together in your word. We pray that you would anoint and touch and speak to hearts this evening. Father, that you might be able to meet the needs of each and every individual here, that each and every one of us would be responsive in whatever way we need. For it's in Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. I think that in the days that we live right now, particularly that there are many times that People have reason to believe that the outgoings seem to be outnumbering the incomings. Sometimes it seems harder and harder to stretch those paychecks and be able to do all the things that are necessary because we just don't seem to, to have enough to be able to accomplish it. But of course, that same thing, not only in a practical sense in our lives, but oftentimes in our spiritual lives, we face that same kind of dilemma. We can look around and we can see the needs that are so great and we can see so many hurting people and so many people that have needs and yet sometimes we just feel that we don't have sufficient to be able to do something that would genuinely be a help to them. But as we look at this familiar passage here this evening, we find that Jesus is here with his disciples. 
Now, of course, a disciple is simply someone that is a follower and learner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so just as surely as Christ had disciples in those days, Christ still has disciples today, those that would be willing to genuinely commit their lives to him, to follow him, to learn of him rather than of the world. And of course, the Bible teaches us very much about caring for one another. It teaches us much about mercy and compassion. And of course, the reality is, is that with all these hurting people around us, both in a physical and a spiritual realm, that we as Christians ought to somehow be a beacon. We find that, I'm reminded of the passage when Jesus Christ himself looked on the multitudes. The Bible says that he had compassion upon them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion upon them. That's not just some kind of a fleeting emotional feeling. He had compassion upon them. That means that he hurt deep down inside because they had needs, they had wants, and he hurt because of that. And of course, as Christians, the Bible tells us that we're to prefer each other above ourselves. The Bible teaches us very much more about loving one another than it does in loving the Lord because one of the most practical ways that we can show the love of Christ in our lives is to allow that love to be seen through our day-to-day walks as Christians. We find that, of course, it was only natural for these disciples here to be concerned for needs of the multitude. Now, of course, we would have many today that would not think that this was a literal happening, that it was just something that was put in our Bibles to kind of beef it up and make it sound better. But the truth is, is that this is nothing for our God. We find that here they were and they'd seen Jesus working many uh, miracles with the multitude and the sick had been healing and being healed and all of these things. And of course, evening time had come now. And so they came to him and basically they said to him, look, we're out here in the middle of nowhere. We're in a, we're in a desert place. We need to, uh, to send these people home because they're going to be getting hungry. They need to be able to be sent back so that they can get their food and be able to have their meal. But then they weren't expecting, I'm sure, Jesus to say what he said to them when he said, they need not depart. They don't, they don't need to go anywhere. You can give them what they need to eat. Now, this must have sounded so totally, completely ludicrous in the natural. They said back to him, well, We've only got five loaves and two fishes. I mean, we're talking about thousands of people. Now, we know that it was 5,000 men besides the women and children. Well, I mean, if they had the average-sized families that uh, we would think of today, that that would have been hitting somewhere around at least 20,000 people that were out there, and they've got just five loaves and two fish, and you're telling us to, to go out and to feed these people? This made absolutely no sense to them whatsoever. So what did Jesus say? He said, bring them hither to me. Bring me those five loaves, those two fish. Bring me what you have. And of course, they brought it to him. And then Jesus gave them a commandment. He just gave them an order. 
He commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fishes, and looking up to heaven, he blessed it and break it, gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. So they acted as servants, and they went around, and they fed all these people. They were giving them the bread and the fish. And the Bible says, and they did all eat. And not just enough to get by, but as you see, on the, they did eat and were filled. They had all that they needed. They had all that they wanted to eat. And then they took up the fragments, the leftovers that were left afterwards. And the Bible says there remained 12 baskets full that were left over afterwards. Now, people speculate, I guess, that uh, one of my most, why was there 12 basketfuls there, Brother Steve, when they finished? Well, many would say because they had 12 disciples to carry those baskets. They were all filled to the brim. And here's this little lad that had his fishes and his loaves, and that's all that they could carry back because he had given everything that he had. And so that here he comes back, and you imagine him coming back to home, and he's left with his packed lunch for the day, and he comes back, and here's these 12 guys behind him, and they're all carrying baskets that are just overflowing with food. Because the Bible says if you give, it'll be given back, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. We find that uh, uh, we don't know exactly what happened to those 12 baskets, but uh, I like to think that they went to the, uh, uh, to the lad and they, they did all eat and was left over and they that had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Now, I want you to note first of all that this was a very natural problem, an everyday problem, something that you and I could face every day of our lives, but it had a very unnatural solution. I mean, the simple problem was there were a bunch of people here that needed to eat because they were hungry. To the disciples, it was just a very natural thing. The only thing that we can do is to send these people home so that they can go and they can get something to eat because there is no way in the world that we can feed this many people. But of course, the Lord had a different idea, didn't he? And his solution was a very unnatural one to say the least. And it was something that challenged their faith to the very core. They come to Jesus as just with a natural problem that was before them. And of course, as, they, as a natural response to what they had been taught about, that they were supposed to care for these people, that they were supposed to, to look out for them. But when they come to Jesus with this natural problem, basically what he does is invites them to do something that is completely impossible in man's eyes. Impossible. I mean, there was absolutely no way in the world that they could possibly feed this many people. Of course, they must have been used to some pretty unusual things. They'd been following Jesus around. They'd seen him performing his miracles. They'd seen him healing the, the sick. We find that I don't think they were quite prepared for the answer that the Lord gave them back here when they came with a very reasonable thing, but he asked them to do something that was completely, totally, without any question whatsoever, was beyond their means to accomplish. So we see next in verses 17 and 18, we not only see a natural problem that's met with an unnatural solution, but we see definite limitations, but with divine guidance. You ever feel limited in what you have? Everybody's limited. Everybody only has a certain amount. Some people are just limited more than others are. The truth is, is there is a limit to all men. Even Bill Gates has a limit 
He's supposed to be the richest man on the face of the earth, and yet there is a limit to what he has. We find that these disciples in looking at all of their natural resources and looking at what they had at their disposal, there were some definite limitations to do what the Lord had just ordered them to do. How in the world could they ever accomplish such a task? But the Lord's answer was really very simple. He offered them divine guidance. He simply said to them, bring what you've got and bring it to me. Bring what you've got and bring it to me. Bring me the problem along with what you have. You know, I don't know what they must have been thinking at this time, but you know, if they thought like most of us would have thought today, they would have probably been scratching their heads and thinking, you know, this is silly. I mean, I, I know that we're supposed to have faith, but now this is a little bit silly. I mean, look at all these multitudes of people, and yet he's wanting us to somehow do something for them with these limited resources that we have. How in the world could we ever do anything to help this many people? Of course, you know, Again, they've seen him do some pretty marvelous things before. They've seen him do things that surely no other human being could do because he was more than human. But what I want you to recognize and realize here is that God never, ever, ever, Brother Malcolm, asked you to bring him more than you have. He never asked you to bring him more than you have. It's like I, I, I heard uh, the story told in a missions conference one time when uh, they were taking their offerings to be able to, uh, to help missionaries that were in need. And God had spoken to hearts and people were giving in the offering. And then as the offering uh, was brought down to the front of the church, there was a little boy there in his uh, old clothes and there was nothing fancy about him whatsoever. Uh, but said he came down and, and just took one of the offering plates and set it down on the floor and just stepped over inside the offering plate. He said, I don't have anything to give except me, myself. But you know, as we read, as Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, that's the first thing that we're supposed to give God anyway is just ourselves. So these men had definite limitations, but they had one to guide them with what they had. Notice next in verses 19 to 21, we see simple obedience and a supernatural provision. So many times... So many times, all God wants from you and I is just to be obedient. These disciples, they obeyed, and first of all, in, in, in bringing the people and bringing the problem that they had at that time and bringing their limited resources, though it seemed to be so insignificant, so small in comparison to the problem that was there. But the Lord, He did the very thing that He had told His disciples to do in the first place. He told them to feed the people, but they didn't think they had enough. We've only got this five loaves and two fishes. Okay, bring it to me. And of course, as he brought it to them, we find that the resources that they had were, uh, were all that was needed for the Lord to be able to meet the needs of all that was there. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, and in verse 23, Mark chapter 9, and in verse 23, the Word of God says, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible 
to him that believeth. You ever thought about what God is saying there? You know, again, we're not talking about hocus-pocus unbiblical things here. We're not talking about going out and, and believing the God for things that are just simply something to consume upon your own lust. But what we're talking about is being able to believe and trust God in every circumstance. Regardless of how limited that our resources may appear to be, and regardless of how big that the problem seems to be that we're facing, the truth is if we'll come to God and if we'll bring it to Him, what we have, the Bible teaches us very, very clearly that nothing is impossible with our God. If we can only believe and trust Him, He's promised to meet our needs. Now, these disciples obeyed. They brought the people, and they brought the resources that they had. And, of course, the Lord did that which, as I said, first of all, they could have done themselves if they had trusted Him in the first place. But instead, they brought it to Him, and He did it for them. Now, what you have, whatever troubles or difficulties or struggles that you might be facing in your life, and I know that sometimes problems can just seem overwhelming. Sometimes they just seem so big, and we just seem to have absolutely no resources to meet them whatsoever. But we need to remember that faith does the impossible Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things seen? No, of things not seen. You see, the reality is, if we can see it, we don't need faith in the first place. But faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Trust and obedience go hand in hand with our faith. True faith is always a submission to God. It's not asking for things that are outside of God's will just so that we can have them for ourselves, but it's going to God with all things and trusting Him to be able to do that which, which is perfectly within His ability and, of course, that which is in His will. So faith does the impossible. And, of course, it should be in a Christian's life, faith that moves a Christian to action. You know, the Bible teaches us that we are to live by faith. We are to operate by faith as well as sight. God blessed when He created us. He gave us five senses to this body, five senses in order for us to be able to experience the things around it, whether it's to see it or to touch it or uh, to smell it. The, the reality is, is that God gave us those, those senses to be able to to experience things, and yet in the spiritual realm, He's gave, given us this sense of faith, a way in which we can experience things and know things, and they can be just as real. Now, faith is a natural struggle. I don't care how long that you have been a Christian, it's just a natural thing for doubts to try to be placed in your mind, in your heart, to try to keep you from being able to believe and trust God for the impossible in the flesh, where each and every one of us here this evening still live. Faith can sometimes be a struggle. Even though that God has maybe done so many wonderful and exciting things for us in the past, 
it can still be a real struggle for us. Although that the Bible tells us on the one hand that no man has seen God at any time. And yet the same Bible tells us that in the Garden of Eden, that Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. Now, how does that make sense? How did Adam on the one hand walk with God in the cool of the day, and yet God himself tell us that no man has seen God at any time? See, in the spiritual realm, the unseen for Adam was just as real and just as natural by faith as anything that was with his physical eyes that he could see in this world. A man lost that certainty when he died spiritually in the garden, when that sin entered in. And of course now, even though that man has been raised from that spiritual death through the Lord Jesus Christ, we still retain that flesh. And so it's a natural thing. We have to be able to overcome those doubts. How do we do that? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You know, it's amazing to me the number of things that people struggle with, and yet they never go to God. They never communicate with God. They never read God's Word. They never pray to God. They never talk it over with God whatsoever. We just go about getting ourselves in all these problems and all these difficulties, and yet we want to blame it on God. Then, well, whoa, why is God letting this happen? Well, God didn't put you there in the first place. You didn't even ask God about it. He didn't even talk to God about it so many times. And yet he's right there for us all the time. You know, faith might be a struggle for us, but it's never a struggle for the Lord. He sees the unseen as if it already were. Many times he talks of future events in the Bible just as certainly as if it had already happened because if it's part of God's plan, if he has decreed it, it is just as good as already have happened, even though he may be telling us something that's going to happen in our future that we haven't seen yet. And yet with God, it would be impossible for that not to be. You know that our God has the capacity to reach out into our lives and through us into the world around us, to do that which is impossible in the eyes of man and, of course, that's what it's all about when, when the Bible talks about faith being the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. People seeing God work through the Christian's lives. People being able to see the impossible to be able to be accomplished. I've made the statement before, has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurred to God? <laughs> He didn't just say, oh, I never thought about that before. <laughs> we never catch him by surprise when we disobey him, when we do those things, because he already knew that you were going to mess up. But he didn't love you any less, even though he already knew that. The truth is, God knows all. That's what his omniscience is all about. That's why he can speak of things future as if they were already past, because he already knows Jesus here took what his disciples had and he blessed it and they discovered that what they had was sufficient to meet the need. You see, what you have 
God will never ask you to do anything. Jesus asked them specifically, don't send these people away, feed them. But we don't have enough to feed them. There's no way we can do this. Bring it to me. Bring it to me, and I'll do it for you. Sometimes our faith may struggle. We may answer just like they did. Brother Stephen may look and say, look, this problem's too big. There's absolutely no way that I can deal with this. And yet, he says, casting all your care upon me. Remember the illustration that I've given you there in the past when he talks about casting all your care upon him? I threw my suit jacket in somebody's face last time. Uh, That's exactly what he's talking about, literally casting those cares. Get rid of them. Those things that are troubling you, those things that have got you down, those things that have got you despondent, just cast them upon him. Quit carrying them around yourself as these disciples did. Bring it to him and trust him and do what he tells you to do with it. And it will always be sufficient. Whatever you have is sufficient. Yes, somebody else may have more. Somebody else may have less. The sad thing is, folks, is that too often we spend too much time looking at what we don't have and looking at what we can't do, that we can't possibly do this for the Lord. We can't possibly do that. Don't have enough time for this. Don't have enough money for that. I can't do this as good as somebody else can do it. I can't do it because I don't have this. I can't do it because of this. I'm not capable of doing such a thing. The excuses can roll on. Well, here, Jesus used these 12 disciples that had very little in the natural, but he used them to bless the multitudes, to bless thousands. He used a lad and his lunch. I mean, just a young lad and his lunch to be able to meet the needs of thousands of people. You know, there's absolutely no question today that the Lord wants to use you You've heard me preach it in different ways, in different sermons, and I would remind you once again this evening, if God didn't have something for you to do, then you'd be better off just to check out of here right now and head on to eternity. Why has God got you here? Because something else, there's not a human being alive. If you're saved, if you're ready to face God face to face, you'd be far better off in the next world than in this one. There won't be any temptations, any trials. There won't be any pains and sicknesses and all those things that you face in this life. It'll all be gone. It'll all be done away with. God still has you here for a reason. The very last thing, his marching orders, when he, when he went to leave this world, we have, it, we have it recorded in each and every one of the Gospels as well as in the Acts of the Apostles was for us to go to this world And to take them the wonderful gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. To take Jesus to this dying world around us. I can assure you, the Lord wants to use you. If he could use this young boy, if he could use these followers that did not see any possibility in what they had in being able to meet that need, then if you're willing, as the songwriter says, to trust and obey, then he can use you as well. 
Disciples said, send them away. Jesus said, no, don't send them away. Feed them. Disciple says, we can't. Jesus said, okay, then bring them to me. Bring me your problem and bring me what you have. In other words, that's what he's saying to you and I this evening. Bring me what you have. I can work with you and I can work with what you have. Jesus took what they already had and he blessed it and he fed the multitudes with it. I wonder, how many multitudes does God want to touch through you? How many lives does God want to touch through you? I've shared with you a little bit of my own testimony from the standpoint that, you know, we, we all have these times. And I had to genuinely come to a place in my life when God first, me, first brought me to this country that I came to believe with everything within me. I mean everything, folks. I believe that if I came here and if I, if I stayed my life here until my last dying breath, and if God had me here to reach one individual, to keep one person from spending an eternity in hell, then that meant more and that was a greater accomplishment for my life to be used for that than to be used for anything that this world could accomplish. What shall it accomplish? What shall it accomplish for anyone? The Bible says, what shall a man gain? if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul. There's nothing more valuable than that. And I can assure you, God wants to do something with your life. You know, we can't go back and change the past. What can God accomplish with each and every one of us? We can't go back and undo the wrongs that we've already done. But we do need to get forgiveness for them. We need to get them under that blood that we talked about earlier. We can't go back and and change the commitments that we've made in the past and then not fulfilled. We can make genuine commitments and genuinely give ourselves to God, totally and completely lock, stock, and barrel. God, what do you want to accomplish? What do you want to accomplish in this world through me? What can you use me for? I don't have anything. You know, you might, you might can look around and you can come up with all the excuses. You may not have the money. You may not have the education. You may not have all these things. And yet God will never, ever. I told you about a little plaque that used to hang in the kitchen of the travel trailer when we traveled around in it that simply said, God isn't so much interested in your ability as he is your availability. He can make you able, folks. He can equip you for whatever he wants. But are you genuinely available to be used? Remember the little story that I told you of the little country preacher that when I was in the car business and he used to pastor a little country church up in the mountains there and I used to see him almost every every Monday he would come down off the mountain and he would stop in there and we'd got to know each other and we'd have a little chat down there and we'd talk about what the Lord had done on the Lord's day and I've never ever forgotten it's had such an impact now this this was a country man that had very little of this world's education he was serving God where God had placed him. But I'll never forget that Monday morning when he looked at me and he told me that in his sermon that he preached the day before, and he said, he said, I told them folks, he said, he said, you's always talking about wanting to get closer to the Lord and closer to the Lord. He said, huh, you don't bit more want to get closer to the Lord than the man on the moon. 
He was afraid if he gets too close, he'd liable to reach over there and whisper something in your ear. And I, you know, the simplicity, the simplicity. Are we afraid really to get close to God because he just might whisper something in our ear that we don't want to hear? He just may want to be doing something with our lives that's not what we've got planned for ourselves. Well, folks, there is no greater honor. There is no greater privilege. Nobody serves God and accomplishes anything in this life because of what they have or who they are. It's just bringing what we have and giving it to Him. Truly letting Him use us to accomplish what He wants. The whole point is that what you have is sufficient when you bring it to Jesus. What you have, no matter how little or how much, when you add Jesus Christ to the equation, it's sufficient. You might say, but I have so little. I am so incapable. Jesus says, you're not getting the point. You're not getting the point. I didn't ask you for anything that you don't have. Forget all the thinking about what you don't have and what you can't possibly do. Come to me. Bring me what you do have. Come to me with what you do have. He'll do the blessing. He'll do the multiplying. If we'll just bring it to him and trust him and obey him. What was the real need in this account that we've read here from God's Word? Probably the most natural thing that most say, well, the real need was food. I mean, you got thousands of people out there, and they're hungry. And so they needed food. But that's not really what the great need was. The real need was the Lord. <laughs> you see, whatever the problem, it doesn't matter whether it's food or anything else that you want to put on the list. That's not what we need the most. What we need the most is whatever our situation, we need the Lord to be part of it. He's the one that's the answer. He's the one that has all the resources that are needed to, to be able to adequately supply our needs and to accomplish whatever He wants to accomplish. I wonder this evening, I wonder, as you look at yourself can I just encourage you this evening? Quit thinking about what you don't have in comparison to so-and-so over there. Quit thinking about how that, boy, if you just had this or if you just had that, you'd be able to accomplish this. You'd be able to do this with your life. You'd be able to do that life, if only. I want to say to you this evening, whatever the need is in your life, no matter how big that that need might be, what you really need more than anything else in all the world is Jesus. He's what you need. Jesus is the one that you need. If you're here and if you don't know, if you've never gone to him and humbled yourself and asked for forgiveness of your sins, do you understand he wants your sins to be forgiven? He tells us all have sinned. All have come short of the glory of God. He tells us that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord.
There is an alternative. Sin brings death. There's nothing else that it can bring. But God wants to give you a free gift of life. And that is possible through the Lord Jesus Christ because he will take your sin. He paid the price for you. Your creator, the one that's given you life, the one that has placed you here, wants you to live for eternity with him in a place called heaven. Folks, that's not just some pie in the sky. You know, I've told people many times, sometimes they accuse us of, I just can't have the faith to believe that preacher, that that somebody actually created all this, that somebody's in control out there, that somebody's in charge. And folks, I'll be quite honest. You know, I've told them time and again, Brother Steve, well, well, a lot of them have got a lot more faith than I do. You know, at least I believe somebody with with, with with some intelligence actually brought this into being. But some of them believe that, boy, there was just a big bang one day and poof, it's all here. <laughs> or some of them believe there was a big pot of cosmic stew out there. <laughs> and eventually after enough stirring and all these different things, that poof, life came out of it. Folks, that takes far more faith. I believe with all my heart that God, Almighty God, He created this universe. He created you. And he wants to give you life everlasting. He does not want you to pay for the sin that is a natural part of your life. He's what you need more than anything tonight. And if you have him, Christians, don't let the problems, don't let the problems get so big in front of you. The difficulties that you have and the things that you don't have, the things that you're facing and all of these things, songwriter says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth shall grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus this evening. Quit focusing upon the problems and what you don't have. Bring it to him. Realize he's your greatest need, that when you put him in the equation... Nothing is too big then. I'm not saying that life becomes a bed of roses. I'm not saying you won't go through your struggles. But I'm saying with him in control. Folks, just trust him and obey him. He will meet your every need. He will be there for you. And there is nothing in all the world that's impossible with him. Father, we thank you this evening. We thank you, Lord, for just a simple reminder from this account Lord, of what you did with this lad and these few loaves of bread and these fish that, Lord, you were able to do something that it's only natural that the natural man in this world would read this account and say, oh, that stuff's not real. But we know, Father, that with you, that's nothing. That the one that holds the power of the universe, this is nothing. Lord, I realize here this evening that every person here, Lord, there's things they're facing right now or things that they'll face this week and next week, and sometimes the problems can just seem so big. And sometimes we can get focused upon the things that we need to resolve that when the thing that we need above all else is we need the Lord. We need Him in control of our lives. We need to be working in partnership with Him. You know, we can 
join ourselves to so many things of this world. But Father, may we commit ourselves, Lord, to, to your will for our lives, to what you want to do with us. May we simply look to you with the faith that is necessary to know that whatever it is that we're facing, that you're there. In Christ's name we pray, amen.